Scott Harold is known for his interviews. Well, you're asking great questions. I think you're in the right career path, my friend. <laughs> I really do. Scott Harold's SOS Radio Podcast starts now. The new school year started. I feel like we're all facing battles right now, whether it's health, whether it's your family schedule, or it's just, you know, your own personal angst as we've lived through these last couple of years, just feeling all the unmet expectations. We're talking with Susie Larson. She's a best-selling author and national speaker. How are you today, Susie? I'm great. So good to be with you, Scott. Thanks for having me. So when we're going through battles, it's interesting because we usually think strength, okay? I'm going to beef up. I'm going to put on my armor. I'm going to start from a position of strength. But there's a humility that God uses when we're going through battle. It's so true, and it seems like kind of an irony, and it is an irony, but he chooses to weak, to shame the strong, and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. And what's so important for us as Christians to know is oftentimes when we feel our strongest is when we're probably most vulnerable, and when we feel our weakest, it's when we're most dependent on God, and therefore we are hidden under his wing, and he shows us how to stand in battle. Scripture does say it pleases him to make us strong, but it is so interesting how often when we feel good or feel strong, we sometimes lose hold of our dependence on God, and that really is our superpower, and we need it as we're entering into these days, as we are well into them, I should say. You know, we feel, people feel battle in their home front, as you said, under their roof, you know, could be health, marriage, finances. And then you look up and then cultural, we're just, we've got arrows flying every which way. So we've got to know as believers how to find our footing and even to keep our joy. And I really believe it does start with humility and independence on God. Humility is such an interesting attribute for Jesus follower, because if you're someone that's trying to stand strong, you want to beef up, you want to have confidence, and you want to have that drive to move forward and try new things. At the same time, we're supposed to be humble. What have you noticed about that tension being in a healthy space? I always say holy confidence and humble dependence should never be separated because those, when you find that juxtaposition of these two virtues, that is to me the superpower because you're humble, humbly dependent, going, I cannot make a move without God, but then you're wholly confident because if you are in Christ, Christ is in you. That means the resurrection power of Christ is in you. That means you can run boldly into the throne room of grace and find a smile on God's face because he's so glad to see you. It's when we get off, you know, on our own strength, when we start to think we're too bigger than our britches, you know, we don't have the right view of our faith or our battles, that the enemy is looking for opportunity to take us out. But that's why I say, you know, when you feel like you're under fire, start low, get before God, because it's really important to say, God, is there any reason the enemy has been given access to me? Have have I given him any legal right? Well, a verse I love to reference is James 4, 7. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And submit to God is a military term, and it actually means to get back in rank. And that's why when, when you hear people say, why is this happening to me? And others will try to balance that question with, well, why, why don't you ask, why isn't it happening? You know, why do we always question the bad and not the good? And that's a good equalizing question. However, I would say, let's go back to that first question not in a whiny, pouty way, but in a humble, confident way to say, I'm a child of God. And the enemy is a legalist. So if he's coming against me for a reason, I want to know about it. And when you get back in rank, when you go, Lord, show me if there's anything in me that's given him legal right. Maybe there's something you've just not even paid attention to, but it is an attitude that usurps authority. Maybe it's, you know, grudge or bitterness or, or even willful disobedience in the shadows that nobody else knows about. Well, you can know when you open the door to those things, you've opened the door to the enemy. So you have no authority 
unless you're under authority. So once you come back under authority and you say, okay, I'm shutting these doors, Lord, I repent, I'm, I'm under your authority. Now you can resist the devil and he has to flee. That phrase that he must flee means he runs for his life and it means he's looking for a safe place to dwell. And I don't know that we realize how often as believers, we give him safe space in our life because we're in agreement with him or we take the bait that he's put out before us. So especially in these days, we need to be alert. We need to be humble, but also very confident that as we walk with God, he's our defender. He's our deliverer. We're talking about what it takes to be strong in battle. And we know we're facing those things, but usually we're not walking through in a position of strength, right? We're talking with Susie Larson today at SWS Radio. Our battle's real, but Jesus has won the war. And I think a lot of times when we're facing constant battles in our life, Susie, we sort of wonder, like, why do I keep seeing the same form of drama coming up in my life? Or maybe a better way to look at it is to reflect on the tactics that the enemy keeps using on us over and over again. I think there's some things you've learned. Absolutely. And I've got uh, some women who are praying with me. I don't know if you know my backstory, but I've battled uh, Lyme disease, neurological Lyme for over three decades. And so I'm not a stranger to army crawling through the valley and being under fire and one moment getting knocked on my rump and the next moment coming up swinging. You know, I mean, that's just been my life is just really navigating going, I'm not going to be defined by this illness. I'm not going to be defined by this battle. I'm going to let it refine me. But I'm going to come through this battle, making the enemy sorry he messed with me, knowing God's word better, and being more joyfully confident in who my God is. And that has been the case. So this thing has not been wasted on me. But uh, I have a friend who says that when she's helping people walk through kind of long-term battle and trauma, where they feel like they're just constantly under that same kind of attack, she gets their history and she says, I'm looking for a pattern of theft. And I think that's very interesting. John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you have life and life abundantly. When she says, when there's a pattern of theft, she says, you just have to go back to your childhood. And I've been saying this for years, too, that you, you look at your childhood that very first time you knew, you realized you weren't enough, or that you have an enemy, or that you felt fear or trauma. You can look to those moments because the enemy was paving an inroad in your life, making a lie very believable. It's almost like, let's say you had this, you know, yard of this beautiful grass, and then he trespassed on your yard, but came in unopposed. And so then he did it again, and he paved a path. And then in the night, he laid down some tar and then some curbs, and he sort of claimed that space in your lot. And that was his inroad to drive in and drive out and steal from you. And so she says, when you identify the pattern of theft, then you can find out. What is the lie that you believe that allowed him access over and over again? And the way that you shut it down is with the truth. It's the truth that sets us free. And I really do believe there needs to be a hunger for us to get our land back, to say, wait a minute, I've been believing this lie for so long. He's been getting away with too much. And, you know, when you look around culture, people aren't getting feisty in their faith. They're hunkering down, covering their head and going, I hope I can hang on till Jesus returns. But if you even get just a taste of God's freedom and redemption and restoration, you'll get an appetite for it, not only for yourself, but for others. So I'm just asking the Lord to help you who are listening today, identify that pattern of theft and then say, Lord, how may I get my land back? And once you start to see God's power of restoration in your life, you'll start to want to help others get free too. And one of the things my friend said is you don't know what you possess in Jesus you're not going to know when the enemy's stolen it. But when you start to understand, this isn't just about eternity, which is everything. And if it were just about eternity, we'd be so blessed. But Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly, that we would see his goodness in the land of the living, to see our souls restored while the nations are in chaos. God is able to do that. Jesus cares about the human condition. So as you start to trust him with your story, hope is going to rise up in you. 
And people are going to ask about the hope within you because they see hope on you. Right now, the world isn't seeing hope in a lot of believers because we're reacting to the world much the way the rest of the world is. But when God starts to redeem your story, suddenly you get a little fire in your belly. Now, fighting constant battles always makes us tired, right? We're talking with Susie Larson on SWS Radio. When we're facing constant battles in life, it's pretty natural for us to ask, why me? But I've heard a lot of people sort of challenge that in recent years, say, well, why not me? But Susie, you say we shouldn't be so quick to gloss over that first question. No, though I really think it's just our posture in the question, not this whiny, self-pitying question, but to say, give me discernment, because I want wisdom. I want battle strategy. So, Lord, is there a reason? And as my friend Maria says, if the Lord shows you something, then repent and then roar. And she said, if he doesn't show you anything, just roar. <laughs> just rise up and roar. But, you know, one, one of my passages that I go to again and again is Psalm 18, because it's sort of been my life script my whole adult life. But, it, you know, it starts out that I cried out to the Lord in my distress. And he reached down from on high and rescued me from an enemy too powerful for me. They confronted me when I was at my weakest, but the Lord was my support. And you see this progression where first he rescues us when we're under fire and he steadies us and establishes us. And then you read a little further into the passage. Then he trains your hands for battle. He strengthens your arms to bend a bow of bronze. He gives you feet like hind feet to walk on high places, which speaks of spiritual agility, where you're able to do battle on uneven terrain and still keep your balance. That's a trained warrior right there. So if you look at, you go from victim to victor, that's what God wants for all of us. And that's why I think it's super wise to rightly interpret your battles. You know, sometimes you're just under attack because the enemy has a sense of your breakthrough around the corner. I don't believe he knows the future, but he sure sees cavalry mounting on your behalf, or he's had his whole life, your whole life to study you. And he sees where you're going how you're progressing, and he wants to throw roadblocks. So not every trial is your fault, but there are times where we are the ones get in our own way by our own unbelief or attitudes. So we just need to be willing to take inventory in a humble, confident way. There's a fine line between being a victim and a victor, and we don't think a whole lot about it after we've gone through a battle. And we're talking with Susie Larson today at Swiss Radio. She's a best-selling author. She's a speaker, does a radio show. I'll tell you what, Susie, it's interesting because like, a lot of times we just take on this victim mentality, and we don't even realize it's there, but you see the cynicism start to grow in your life. You see that you're constantly complaining, and I think the best time to realize, wait, maybe I've taken on this victim mentality is I just don't really have any joy or any hope in my life anymore. Now, Susie, when we're walking out of a battle and we can say, okay, yeah, I survived that battle, but I'm just tired. My soul is tired. I'm physically tired. That's a good time to stop and take some inventory of our experience. I mean, what are some of the good questions to ask when we want to start taking inventory of that? I'm so glad you asked this question, because to me, this feels like a really important part of this whole strategy, because oftentimes, as you said, you're so battle-weary on the other side, we default to fleshly indulgence, and I'm not trying to be a legalist here, because I think we all know the difference between, you know, enjoyment within freedom and self-control and indulgence, because I deserve more than God has given me, or because I owe myself something because of what I've just been through. And you just need to know that when God has stretched out his hand and said, this worst season is over for you, I'm bringing you into time of rest. It's not like the enemy is lying out on a beach somewhere because he's taking a break too. He's hoping to catch you unaware. And so we have to be able to not only rest in God, enjoy the freedoms we have in him, but not let our guard down because the enemy is just looking for those times to take us out. So I love this because I feel like this helps us come through it wiser. So I have seven questions. The first one is, what do I know about God now that I didn't know prior to this trial? 
I ask that question on my show almost every day. What do you know about God now that you didn't even know five years ago? Give some time to that because hopefully your battles have strengthened you and refined your perspective on God and his word. Two is how has this battle impacted my theology? In other words, have I adjusted my theology in any way? Have I manipulated my faith to match my life? And, you know, a great way to discern that is to know that are there lingering disappointments in God or in others or offenses over unresolved pain, or maybe, like I said, unhealthy indulgences that you're justifying because of all that you've just walked through. It's just important to say, if I'm going to battered in my theology, if I have a lower view of God and a higher view of myself or whatever, it's just time to maybe tend to your soul and put right again. Another one is, how has my battle impacted my perspective of others? So ideally, you want to come through the battle with more compassion and humility for those who suffer because it was compassion that moved Jesus to minister to the crowds even when he was tired. But sometimes people come through the battle jaded and cynical, and they're kind of rolling their eyes at people who've had to suffer less than what they have. So they're kind of like, that ain't nothing. You should hear what I've been through. Well, that's not the ideal way to come through. It's understandable, but it just means your soul needs some tending. So how has the battle impacted your perspective of others? Another one, this is important. What biblical truths did I forget that I need to remember? And then what truths did I remember that I don't want to forget? These are just the weapons of your warfare. If the Lord brought up a truth in this battle, write it down, memorize it and pray it and understand it. If there were truths that you loved that you forgot because the storms were raging, get a hold of them again and put them in your arsenal. Another one, this is probably the most important question, number five. What were the defining moments of my battle when the storm raged and God met me there? And I like to say, this is your story. This is your song. This is that moment of your story that needs to be told. So articulate it, get your arms around it to say, okay, this is what I felt like was happening. This is what seemed true. And then God showed me what was true. And this is how I prevailed. People need to hear what you have to say. And if you steward that story and kind of get your arms around that message, I'm telling you, God will open the door for you to share it. Number six, this is important. What in me still needs healing? It's just time to assess the damages of your storm because everybody feels battered by their storm. And you, again, might need some soul care and you need to believe that God is deeply committed to seeing you restored. And finally, how am I better because of this battle? So what has this trial done for you, in you, and through you? So what are the benefits of the battle you've just come through? I know that's going to take some time, but sit down with your journal and sit down and enjoy yourself and ask God to help you answer those questions. And you'll be richer. And I would say even more positioned to recover than you would without those questions. We're talking about celebrating the victory after we go through hardships and we walk through just constant obstacles in our life. Cause it's real. We're talking with Susie Larson today, at Swiss radio. And we're talking about what it takes to be strong in battle. And Susie just wrote a book all about that, but it starts with understanding a healthy fear of God, but also embracing a humble heart, Susie. You actually share a little bit about your story experiencing trauma fear. Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, at the opening of the book, I think it was the first chapter, I write about a time I was away at a writer's conference, and I was sleeping in the basement bedroom of a friend's house. In the middle of the night, I was jarred awake with a visceral fear, and it was so real to me, I felt it in my skin and bones, that my youngest son, at that point, he was in his 20s, would not live out of his 20s. He was about to die. I just, like, knew it, you know, and I went out of bed on my on the floor and I'm face down and crying out to God, oh God, whatever. I didn't know, is he going to be an accident? I just had no idea, but it was so visceral and real that I prayed all night long and just felt battered in the morning. And I, in the book, called that a trauma fear. And when I realized once I'd gotten through that is weeks prior, 
I had given the enemy access because my son was wandering in the ways of the world during that time, breaking my heart. And I let some fears come in and I let my awfulizing and what ifs linger in my soul unchallenged. You know, you really got to deal with that stuff when it comes in any kind of thing that's contrary to God's word, his ways, you know, the self-contempt, fear, rejection. We let that stuff linger around, and that is an inroad. And I'd done that. I'd opened the door to just because I was so heartbroken, but I didn't challenge those fears. And so I was blindsided by them and when I was weakest. And I don't know if you're familiar with the recovery community, but they always talk about your most vulnerable. They use H-A-L-T, HALT, as the times when you're most vulnerable, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And I would say that's exactly true for the rest of us, too, is that when you have allowances, when you give the enemy space, he will come at you and blindside you with a trauma fear when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And that trauma fear kind of thrusts you into this place that just says you can't trust God. And what the enemy is trying to do is get you to recall all of your worst experiences, your worst fears, and to get you to kind of deduct in your mind that God allowed this to happen. What worst thing might he allow to happen? And he wants you to, the enemy wants you to project your worst fears into a future that God's not in. And that is what a trauma fear is. But the thing is, as a Christ follower, there is no future moment that God's not in. That's the enemy threatening you because he's threatened by you. Where a God-given warning, some people are woken up and alerted to pray. Well, that always comes with a sober mindset, wisdom, kind of a clarity, like get your game on. It's not terror. It's not dread. It's not this paralyzing, unreasonable fear. And so the trauma fear is you can't trust God, but the God-given warning is you must trust God. And they're coming from two different sources. And I just think it's super important for us to discern when we stay on the Lord's heels and, and let the Holy Spirit lead. He will caution us and guard and guide us. But when we leave the windows open to the enemy, he will attack us at the moment we're weakest. A few minutes ago, we were talking about how trauma fears from our past can project something into our future if we're not careful about how open we are with our spirit. We're talking with Susie Larson today at SWS Radio, and she's a best-selling author and a national speaker. I know we don't look for demons under every rock in our life just because we have a problem, but there's a lot of times as Christians, we act pretty carelessly with our spirit and our mind, and we invite things into our life. I mean, on a practical level, Susie, what does it mean to give the enemy access to our life? Wasn't it C.S. Lewis who said there's two extreme wrong reactions to the enemy is to deny his existence and sort of shrug your shoulders or to see him and give him credit for everything. You know, one of the things I tried to accomplish in this book is to not give him so much credit, but to be wise to his schemes. But more than that, to be tethered, to know that you're tethered to a good God. And I think as we walk in the fear of God, this isn't legalism. It really is saying, you know, God's will for me is my best case scenario. He means what he says, and he's going to do what he does. And as I walk in a fear of God, it's not a terror of God, it's a reverent awe of God to say, I want to be so under his wing. And so in his will, I don't have to fear anything. You know, I, I don't have to fear bad news. I trust him to care for me and anything he allows, he redeems. And the thing that, you know, I, I don't know if you know any about my backstory, but when I was a child, I grew up in a large family and I was in a denomination that I knew God was real, but I didn't know Jesus was accessible. And I actually taught as a child really did feel a sense of God's presence, but I just didn't know anything about the gospel. And I was nine years old and some boys in my neighborhood surprised me and pinned me down. And I had an experience of sexual assault at their hands and got up from that place and was so traumatized. And I didn't tell anybody because I didn't know what had just happened. But then when I was 10 years old, I was coming home from school, walking by myself, 
and a different group of boys were hanging out in the baseball dugout and they were on something, on some kind of drug. But all I hear was, get her. And they ran out of the dugout. They ran me down, knocked me to the ground and pummeled me, beat me really bad, punched my face, kicked me, pulled fistfuls of hair. I screamed and cried. I was just this little four foot thing. And they're these, you know, pubescent teenagers. I can't even imagine doing that to a child. But anyway, when they were done with me and I was so beaten and battered, they were laughing as they walked away. And I got up from that beating and I heard in my ear, I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. And that's when fear entered my life. And I'm super honest in all my books about how I have wrestled with fear my whole life. Because once again, I was when I was an adult, I was bit by the deer tick, not knowing, went a year wondering where all these neurological symptoms were to find out it was Lyme and I, they found it too late. And so it's been a lifelong battle for me. And all that to say, that has felt true. In some ways, it's almost proven true. And so seven years ago, when I was experiencing a relapse in my bathroom, and I, I mean, my, I was getting ready to go to the radio station, my arms started to go numb, my face went numb, the room started to spin. I was having an esophageal spasm, so my throat was like twist. I can't even explain it. It was an absolute nightmare. And I'm like, oh, God, no, not at this age. Not, I thought so long. No, God, no, God, no. And I was just begging God, please don't let me go back to this pit of hell again. And the Lord whispered to my heart, the storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. And I'm like, what? And I heard it again. The storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. And I'm like, what, what, what lie? And it was like, if you could peel back the sky in that bathroom, it was spiritual chaos is what it felt like. And then I hear my ear, I can get to you anytime, anywhere. And God will never stop me. And then Lord thundered in my heart again. He says, that's it right there. You have loved me, you have followed me, but you have believed that your whole life. It is not true he can get to you anytime, anywhere. He is on a short leash. You have no idea all that I've prevented in your life. And you have no capacity to understand all I've provided. I am not going to let you lose, but I have to let you fight. This lie ends today. And that began an incredible battle. It's been seven years of me fighting my way back from that relapse. But I'm better for the fight against God. I'm telling you, it's like I realized there are embedded lies in all of our souls from the trauma we've experienced. And God will sometimes allow this overplayed enemy attack to bring it to the surface so he can set us free. So he's not faulting us when we give the enemy access. So often it's because we were caught unaware. I mean, sometimes we're willfully sinful and we get ourselves into trouble, but other times we've been robbed from and we don't even know it. But God is bent on our freedom. And so the enemy doesn't have just carte blanche access unless we give it to him. But he will get at us and God will allow a certain storm so he can set us free. We're talking with Susie Larson today at SWS Radio and her new book's called Strong in Battle, Why the Humble Will Prevail. Hey, thank you so much for sharing with us today, Susie. Great to be with you, Scott. Thanks and have a great day. Thanks for downloading the SOS Radio podcast. If you enjoy the discussion and want to help the podcast grow, you can make a $10 donation through sosradio.net or inside the SOS Radio app. Thanks for your generosity. It helps us experiment with new things and keep the discussions fresh.